0: I think Glenn told a lot of people 's story here today, probably let 's give it up for Glenn Shepherd today. Is Glenn in here, Glenn, you in here, buddy? I think he 's probably volunteering somewhere. He and his wife and family are very involved in our church, and a lot of you uh, sitting out there. you know a lot of times we think um, we think when we come to church, we think one of two things we think. Um, Everybody there's got it together, always had it together, never gone through anything like Glenn just talked about. That's a very um, wrong way to view the church, because we got some folks in here who could uh, tell story after story after story similar to Glenn's. So don't look around today if you're here at church and you're uh, thinking, you know, these people... They just kind of got it all together. My life's a mess. I'll never be like them. I'll never have my stuff together like they do. Look, we're all trying to get it together. Amen. We're all trying to get it together, including your pastor standing up here and, and including my own family. We're, we're trying to get it together. Uh, we're, we're in this thing together. And the reason we gather every week is because I need you. I need to be around you, and I need you to love on me I need you to talk to me, put your arm around me. I need to put my arm around you and show you love. We need each other. And so if you looked around today and maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm going to give church one more chance or I'm going to give God one more chance. And, and uh, you know, another way people view the church is they come in and they say everybody's messed up, but they're covering it up and won't admit it. Well, that may be true about some people and it may be true about some churches. But i got to tell you something. Uh, this church right here, we're pretty open with our brokenness. Amen. We're pretty open with our imperfection for a man to sit on the, uh, railroad track, especially that takes faith in and of itself, doesn't it? And, uh, for him to then share, uh, that story right there. Um, uh, and I didn't know, I'm so glad Glenn defined an alcoholic, if you make it to the meetings, you're not an alcoholic. I thought that was real helpful to me, I jotted that down. But when I heard he was spending $1,500, I thought, you know, Glenn, you might have a bigger problem than you thought you had, amen? So uh, if you're sitting out here today and, and you're battling addiction, um, can I tell you Jesus loves you? He loves you, he loves you. He wants to help you. And if you're battling, um, <clears throat> you you know you can you can battle an addiction that's not a street drug. You know, if you're getting stuff from two or three doctors, and one doctor don't know what the other one's getting you, giving you, and you're you're in a buzz all the time, you're no different than that guy walking the street, man. It's bondage. It's bonded, you know it is, and you know you can't stay on that path. So if you get your medicine from a clean little drugstore in a little orange bottle, that doesn't make you any different if you're abusing it. Can I preach? Yes. Didn't know you're going to get that right to begin with, didn't you? You know, usually the introduction's a little light and funny, and but um, when I heard Glenn's story, it just touched my heart today, and and. Um, You know, addiction, you you need help. You need help. You need to reach out to somebody. If you'll reach out to us, we'll help you. We'll help you. There are meetings in this area and connections. There are wonderful places that I'm learning about that are right in our neighborhood where you can go. I discovered a place in Winston-Salem yesterday for women. A lot of times it's difficult to find a place for women who battle addiction. And so I want you to know we have some resources we can help you with. Okay? Um, Let me just tell you something that some, you may not have heard this, but you have a story. (laughs) Have y'all heard that? Has anybody heard that lately? You have a story. Who gave it to you? God gave it to you, and he expects you to tell it. And that's what we're talking about. That's why Glenn was up on the screen today because Glenn wanted to tell you his story. And we're not talking about just any kind of story. I mean, I love good stories. I, I, love, um, I love to read uh, novels, you know, and um, sometimes if I really want to relax, I'll, I'll read a novel, kind of get my mind off, uh, you know, what I do every day and, and uh, kind of have a little escape. But stories, you know, fictional stories, they're fine, um, stories of... In, encouragement stories of hope stories of good winning over evil all that's fine but that that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about a story that you tell about yourself about how you were before jesus what brought you to jesus and what your life is like now that you have found jesus we're talking about a story of an encounter with god and I want to just be really upfront with you today and tell you that you if you've not come face to face with God, maybe you have, but you wouldn't deal with it. You turned or you said, I'll hear you later, or I'll make that decision later. I'm not ready for that. If you haven't made that decision to receive Jesus into your heart, you really don't have a story yet. But when you receive him into your heart, you're going to have a story. And Somebody needs your story. Somebody needs to hear it. It'll help somebody. It'll help somebody more than one of my sermons. It'll heal somebody. It'll encourage somebody. It'll give somebody direction. Give somebody hope. So you need to go ahead today and make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Understand, like the song we sung today, He died for me. He rose for me. He delivers me. He saves me. Turn to Him today. Accept him as your personal Savior. Let your story begin today because there are people out there in the world, people in your family. Listen to me. Your children, your own children, your own family, the people you work with, they're waiting for you to change your life so you can tell them your story. When you tell them your story, they're going to want the same Jesus that you have in your life. Stop running. Stop Stop making excuses come to him today. Come to Jesus Christ today. You have a story. God gave it to you and expects you to tell it. Jesus is our example in everything. In Matthew 13, 34, look what it says. Jesus, how often? Used what? And illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. Then Matthew goes on to say, in fact, he never spoke to them without using such stories, parables, illustrations. Here's what we've discovered. We've discovered that our story is powerful. Your story may not be like someone else's, but it's powerful. It's powerful. You have to believe that when you tell your story, God touches your words. God touches your life, and he makes your story powerful. Your story is not only powerful, but it needs to be crafted. It needs to be worked on. You need to develop it, write it down, bring in a friend, tell your story to your friend, let your friend give you some good uh, criticism to help you make your story better, work on it, polish it, get it ready to tell, and then we talked about this last week, start looking and listening, looking and listening, not talking yet, not talking yet, looking and listening, because see, we live in a world that is cold and doesn't care much about people, So when when people discover someone who is willing to listen, when they discover someone who genuinely cares about them, and you're listening to them, you're not talking yet, but your eye is in contact with their eye, and you're just drinking in what they say, and you're feeling for them, and you have a sense of what they're going through, this person will open up to you, and you'll make comments like, I know that was painful for you. I know you're going through a difficult time. I can only imagine. I've been through something similar, maybe not as bad as what you're describing, but I want you to know I've kind of been there myself. And just let them keep talking as you look and listen because when you listen, they become convinced that you really care about them and then they want to hear your story. And how awesome is it to be able to tell your story to somebody who actually wants to hear it? You know, a lot of Christians want to get up and preach to people and tell people things, but a lot of times the way they do it, the person doesn't want to hear it. But see, when they know you love them because you're interested in them, then they want to hear your story. So, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about the fourth step. And the fourth step is that you need to define and defeat your fears because this is what's going to keep you from telling your story fear. Fear is what's going to keep you from telling your story. And we're going to talk about a particular kind of fear today, the fear of rejection. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about fear in general, just fear in general. First of all, fear is not from God. The Bible tells us that, doesn't it? The Bible says fear is not from God, but what is from God? What does the Bible say? Love and a what? A sound mind, a sound mind. Because see, when you are fearful, you don't have a sound mind. When you are fearful, you are seeing everything through the eyes of that fear. So you don't have a sound mind. And so God says, you've got to get over your fears so you will see things in reality. You will see things the right way. You will see things. You will perceive things in your life the way he perceives those things. So we've got to define and defeat our fears. You've got to get that fear out there. Now, now, I want you to listen carefully to me. And we'll talk about this all through the message today. You've got to name the fear. You've got to name it. Um, one of the ways I pray, and I know I'm weird, and I know you all know I'm weird, but my weirdness works for me. So... So what I do sometimes is I write down something that I believe is a stronghold in my life or a thing I'm struggling with. And I know you're sitting out there going, Pastor, you struggle. Talk to Millie. Um, I struggle with stuff. I have struggles in my own life. And when I know I'm struggling with something, and I know something's going on in me that I don't like, that's pulling me away from God or keeping me from being the man of God that I know God wants me to be, you know what I'll do a lot of times in my prayer time? I will write it on a piece of paper and hold it up and go, God, that thing right there. I want to be real clear about this. I know this is an area in my life that needs to be better. I know this is an area in my life that needs to be stronger. So you define your fear. You define it. You, you get it out there. I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what it is that's keeping you back, holding you back. But define it. Speak it out to God. Take an honest look at it and bring it to an altar of prayer. You remember back in the old days, um, they used to say, um, you know, I was a little boy and my dad's a preacher. and. Um, my dad would, uh, you know, the people in the church back then, they'd say, uh, you know, just go up there and put it on the altar. Amen? Y'all remember that? I know you from up north went, what did he just say? What did he just say? They'd say, they'd, ju- they'd say, just go up there and put it on the altar. How many of y'all remember that? Let me tell you something about those people they knew what they were talking about, they knew what they were talking about. You say, well, they don't have education. They didn't have the, it doesn't matter. They knew God in a way a lot of us don't know God. And they said, you got to go up there and put that thing on the altar. Can I preach here this morning? There's some people sitting here. You got some stuff in your life. You're a Christian, but you got some stuff in your life you need to put on the altar. Because you know what you keep doing to it every time it rises to the top? You just kind of push it back and push it back, push it back. And then you sit around perplexed about why things just aren't flowing for you, why things just aren't going right, and why I just can't get a prayer through, and why God isn't answering my prayers, and why blah, 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 because you keep pushing that thing back. Whatever it is you're struggling with, he already knows about it anyway. Can I ask you something? Do you think there's something you're going to bring before God, and God's going to go, whoa, whoa, you are messed up? (laughs) God isn't going to do that. See, he already knows. You say, well, if he already knows, why have I got to get it out? Pride, baby. Pride. Pride, he wants you to shed that pride and he wants you to say, this is in me, I know it's in me and I unveil that thing before you, I hide it no more, I write it, it helps me write it on a piece of paper. I, write, and I know y'all will to see that paper, but you ain't going to see that paper now, I'm telling you right now. And uh, I hold that piece of paper up and I go, God, I got struggles right there. And let me tell you something, God honors it when we don't hide stuff. He honors it when we get real with him. His power will flow in your life. Understanding of the scripture will flow in your life. Your prayer life will take on new meaning when you uncover some stuff and just lay it out there and say, God, here it is. I want to be set free from this. Okay, let's talk about the greatest fear, probably, that keeps us... Well, we're going to talk about two fears, one today and one next Sunday But this is is one of the greatest fears that will keep you from telling your story, and it is the fear of rejection. Now, God knew that every one of us at one level or another were going to fear rejection. I fear rejection. You say, Well, I I don't fear rejection. Rejection doesn't bother me at all. Well, it bothers me. I mean, I've never had anybody reject me and go, That was awesome cut me another slice of that. Want me some more of that. I hate rejection. I don't like rejection. Nobody likes rejection. And I reject the fact that you think you don't have a problem with rejection. You say, how dare you reject me? Okay, so look what God said in his word because he knew we were all going to struggle with it. Look what he said in the scriptures. Look what, there you go. The fear of man Is that not what rejection is? The fear of man is a dangerous... Now, I want to hear you say that last word again. The fear of man is a dangerous... But to trust in God, which means you don't have that fear of rejection. God's dealt with that in you. But to trust in God means... Safety. Safety. I love safety, don't you? Y'all go through the same ritual every night at your house. You know, I'm in bed. It's warm. Um, Got my pillows just right. Millie gets in bed. Look at their baby. Is everything locked up? (laughs) You lock everything up? Cats out? Notice I said cats. We made an adoption last week. She says to me, "I think so." (laughs) I want to what? Make sure, because when I lay down at night, um, I don't want to get up because I'm not sure everything's locked up. I like safety. I like safety. We all like safety. The Bible says if you trust in God, you'll you'll have safety. Let me give you very quickly, and this is going to scare you to death when I tell you this, okay? It's going to scare you to death, and I know I'm preaching on fear, but I'm about to put the fear of God in every one of you. I want to talk to you all about seven traps. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I think that's a sermon series, isn't it? Isn't that a sermon series? I'm going to go through them very quickly. Seven traps that if you, if you get caught up in a deep fear of rejection, we're all going to have a, a little bit of a apprehension and anxiousness about being rejected, but if you get wrapped up in this whole thing of pleasing people and people always liking you and people always affirming you in every little thing you do and, and that's the only way you can live in freedom, you're going to fall in some traps. Okay, y'all with me? trap number one trap number one this is not a comprehensive list i could have done 77 things so y'all are glad about seven now aren't you happy about seven okay trap number one if you fear rejection it can cause you to compromise your lifestyle and compromise your core values when you care more about what people think than you do about what God thinks, you're going to compromise your lifestyle. You're going you're, you're to you're say, um, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to go ahead and participate in this. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to keep quiet here when I really should speak up so I will blend in. See, we like to blend in. We don't like to stand out. We like to blend in. And when you begin to blend in, a lot of times that is because you're compromising your core values that you've been taught, your convictions. We're often um, willing to lower our standards in, in many ways. One of the things I see, especially among women, if I can preach like this, is I'll see women who I know have compromised themselves in the way they dress, just so they can fit in. I mean, we're in a bad time when you come up to the altar for prayer, and pastor has to pray for you like this. Did I I preach that out loud? Amen? Amen. Father, (laughs) help me look up, Jesus. Man, I want to say something right now. I don't know if I should say it. <clears throat> I am just sick of some cleavage. I am sick of it. I've got to tell you something, man. I don't want to see it. He said cleavage. I'm just saying. Show it to your man. Don't show it to me. Show it to your husband. the husband's out there like, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. She's showing it everywhere else. Ain't nothing going on at the house. (laughs) Millie's going to kill me. I'm 55 years old. Now y'all get you a 25 year old preacher in here, he might not bring stuff like that up. But I'm bringing it up. Cause I'm old school, I come from the old school. Come on man, put them things away and let's go on to love Jesus. Should I just dismiss now, I mean. I mean, if the guys wanted to get y'all back, we could do the plumbers thing back here all the time. <laughs> y'all gonna shut? We, y'all, y'all like? No, no, man, we we'll covered up. I promise. Time out. <laughs> Move on, pastor. But I am, I am serious, guys. We, we. Um, we compromise ourselves. I see and here's how I know those ladies are compromising cause they pullin' and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling baby there ain't nothing to pull on. Ain't no more to phm. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Baby, you it? When if they were comfortable with how they were dressed, they wouldn't be pulling on nothing. That's good preaching right there. Hey, I want y'all to send this to my bishop. He'll like this. He'll, 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 he said I'm all still preaching good stuff, man. Uh, we we compromise our lifestyle, stuff we used to not do and say, man, I'm never going to do that. I know where that led me. I'm never going to do it. See, it's not always that something's a sin, but it's what you're doing, where that thing will take you. Where it will take you. It isn't that the thing you're doing right then is a sin, but if you remember in your life when you did that thing before, that's not a sin. It was still a compromise, and it led you to do something later that was a sin. So it's not, is it a sin? It is, where is it taking me? Guy, you teenagers, wants to take you parking. take you, And you're deciding, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go, you know, and hold his hand. And I might let him kiss me. But see, when you go ahead and do that, then you're just setting yourself up. You're just setting yourself up for him to go further and, Say, if you love me, if you really love me, I tell you what he loves, and it ain't you <laughs> let me let me tell you something. You girls that haven't given yourself away yet, you can choose to do that anytime you want to. You're still in control, but the girl who's already given herself away there that's done it's done but you can come to jesus and you can find forgiveness and in his eyes he will see you as have never even done that isn't that amazing isn't that amazing we got to get some convictions back in our life church we got to get some convictions back in our life see we're willing to compromise do all this stuff because we don't want anybody to Talk about us, teenagers especially, but not just teenagers, everybody, all ages deal with this. Compromise financially, compromise, um, you know, flirting on the job. Um, before you know it, that's gone too far, and, and you, you've fallen into what? What did the scripture say? It was a what? Trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. So let me, let me just ask you to do this, and then we're going to go through these other ones real quick. Here's what I want you to do. You want, you want to be a better Christian? Then put this in your prayer life. Put this in your prayer life. Father, give me clarity about my convictions. We need a revival of convictions in the church. Stuff that we look at and go, that's wrong, and I ain't going there. I have a conviction about that. Now, there are some things all of us ought to be convicted about. Uh, If I said stealing, who is that a sin for? All of us. We're all convicted about that, about stealing, okay? But you might have a personal conviction. That is not a conviction for me. Now, let me explain that. The Bible says work out your own what? With what? Fear and trembling. Here's what that means. That means you look to God and you go, God, is there anything in my life that's an idol to me? Let's say, let's say, here's an, exp- here's an illustration. Let's say that before Pharaoh Hardison became a Christian, that I, I had more bling than Mr. T. Y'all remember Mr. T? Pity the fool. You remember him? He had all that bling, man, all that stuff on his head. And let's say that I just was a person who I had to just have a whole bunch of jewelry on me all the time. Now, that is so not me, but let's just say that was true. And let's say that I'm, I'm in the world, and I'm not going to church, I'm not serving Jesus, but somebody shares their story with me. So I realize I need Jesus. So I come to Jesus, and Jesus says, Yeah, man, I'm going to save you forgive all your sins and come in your heart. And Then Jesus says to me, Now, Pharaoh, here's what I want you to do to show that you've given your life to me. I want you to take all that junk off because that's not your God anymore. I'm your God. and I want you to wear your wedding band. I want you to say to the world that you love Miss Millie and that's the only one you love. But I want you to take that jewelry off. I want you to just take all that stuff off because that was your God for so long and I don't want you to wear any of that stuff. I just want you to wear your wedding band. Then that is a personal conviction for me but see here's where churches mess up people want to take their personal convictions and impose them on everybody and that's when a church becomes legalistic and pharisaical and we got people obeying rules that aren't in the bible am i preaching right now now if you got a personal conviction about something don't you even go to the bible and say well that isn't in the bible If God's put something on your heart and when you do that or say that or put that on or take that off or whatever it is and you don't feel good about it, don't do it. That's a personal conviction the Holy Spirit's put in your heart to draw you nearer to God. Am I making any sense here today? So I want you to pray and say, God, clarify right and wrong in my heart. Because we live in a world that's just murky gray. Say to God, God, I want you to clarify right and wrong in my heart. I want you to clarify. I want you to clarify my personal convictions. Lord, I bring myself before you in prayer today, and I'm asking you if there's something that I have compromised on in my life that I need to get that thing out of my life, I want you to put it right up in my face. I'm telling you all something. That's how I pray. And you know what God will do? Take you up on that. And put something in your face and go, you got to deal with that right there. If you're going to go to the next level with me, if you're going to break through with me, if you're going to be the daddy you ought to be, if you're going to be the mama you ought to be, if you're going to be the man of God, the woman of God, the teenager you ought to be, then you've got to quit that mess right there. And you got to let that thing go. That's a conviction he's put in your heart. That's good preaching right there. Trap number two. Trap number two. The fear of rejection will not only cause you to compromise, but it will cause you to not speak the truth. It will keep you from speaking the truth. When you are worried about what people think about you, when you don't want to catch any flack by, by um, saying something that might hurt somebody or be offensive to somebody, And so you compromise that, it will cause you to lie. It will cause you to exaggerate. It will cause you to distort the truth. Instead of saying it like it is, instead of preaching it straight up, instead of being honest with a friend and being straight up with them, you compromise with them and you beat around the bush when really what you're doing is you're distorting the truth. You're distorting the truth. That's what being under this pressure of being accepted by everybody will cause you to do. Peter is a perfect example of it. Peter denied Christ. Now, before he denied Christ, he promised Jesus that he wouldn't. Jesus said, before the rooster crows in the morning, he said, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus, uh, Peter said, no, are you kidding me? Man, I'm going to be right there. If they come and arrest you, you can count on me. If they try to put you in jail, I'm going to be right there. If they try to kill you, I promise, I'm going to be standing right by your side. I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. And the minute Jesus was arrested and the minute Peter saw the rejection and the suffering, listen, The minute Peter saw the rejection and the suffering that Jesus went through because Jesus would not compromise, Peter decided, I don't want that kind of rejection and pain in my life. So he pulls the hood up over his head and he goes by the enemy's fire and somebody looks up under that hood and goes, I know you, you wanted Jesus' followers. And he starts off saying, no, man, no, you got me mistaken with somebody else. But see, when a person is lying and they feel trapped and they can't get out of that lie, they start attacking other people. They get mad. They start building these defenses around them. And so another person said, no, 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 I know you. I recognize your voice. You were the one that was talking all the time. Your name's Peter Hardison, isn't it? Peter goes, I told you I'm not a follower of Jesus. So now... Mm. And then, then a guy, a guard or a big guy, I can just hear him <laughs>, laughs. He says, oh, you're a follower. You're one of his, no doubt about it. I saw you there when the miracles were being done. And the Bible says the third time Jesus, Peter did what? He cursed. The Bible says he said with an oath. Now, now listen to me. If you're not strong in your walk with God... And all of a sudden, the pressure's on you. You know what you'll resort back to? Old sins, old stuff that you've let go, old stuff that you've let go. You'll go back and pick it back up. One of the biggest signs that you're going in the wrong direction in your walk with God is you're going back, picking up stuff that you let go when you were closer to God. Y'all with me out there? And, and the point I'm making here is that the fear of rejection caused Peter to compromise and caused him to lie. It'll do the same thing to you. It'll do the same thing to you. When you care more about what people think of you than what God thinks of you, it will cause you to compromise and it will cause you to tell lies. It will cause you to exaggerate or distort the truth. Number three, trap number three. Everybody with me out there? The fear of rejection prevents us from giving and receiving love. See, if you've been rejected at some point in your life, you got burned. You got burned, you got burned by somebody who should have loved you. You got burned by somebody who should have cared about you. You got burned by somebody in your life who sh- who is very influential in your life, very powerful in your life. And you thought they were going to love you. You thought they were going to affirm you. You thought they were going to take care of you. You thought they were going to protect you. And they did the opposite. They left you vulnerable. They didn't have your back. They attacked you instead of protecting you. And you got burned. Then what that will do to you is that will cause you to go, I'm not going to love again. And the enemy loves that. And there are people sitting here, there are people who go to this church who I talk to, and we interact, and you know you're struggling with this. You know you're struggling with this. And you got burned, and so you say, I'm not going, I'm not, listen, listen, when you love somebody, you're putting it out there, man, that's a risk. When you love somebody, when you say, When you say, I love you, I love you, or even if you don't say it, but you do love it, that's a risk, that is a huge risk. Because they can look right back at you and go, well, I don't love you. And there's that burn, there's that wound. It can come from a parent, it can come from a teacher, it can come from a pastor. A wound that makes you go, I'm not gonna love again, I'm not gonna risk again. That strong fear of being rejected. Um, One of the things that we're asking everybody to do, we have gone into the inner city of Goldsboro and we have found children that have been fried, man. Burned. And and they're not going to have a Christmas this year. But see if you go get one of those tags, and you go and you look on the back, and this little guy's name is Thomas, and he's 13 years old. You look on the back, and Thomas wears a size 14, and he wants one of those little basketball hoops that hangs on the door, and he'd like to have a watch and some socks. And see if I go get this for little Thomas, and I and I say, Thomas, I love you, man. And I I want you to have that. See, that burn, that wound begins to heal. He begins to trust a little bit. So when we put all that stuff out there for you to do that, guys, it's not just to go, look what we did. It's to bring healing in people's lives. Let them see the love of Jesus, that there are people who won't burn you. There are people who won't forsake you. Now, when you get to a place where you can't give or receive love because you've been burned, that leads to the fourth trap, and the fourth trap is a major trick of the enemy, and that is to isolate you or to get you in a place of loneliness. See, a military tactic, one of the primary military tactics, if you will study military strategy, uh, you'll find that one of the military tactics that is used very often is to separate some of the soldiers from the larger group of soldiers to get them isolated off into a small area because they can defeat them and then they come back in and try to isolate another small group and defeat them. I I read um, reading about the Air Force that uh, even fighter planes they will try to do that with fighter planes is to get them separated from uh, those who have their back and if they can get them isolated the enemy has a much better chance of bringing them down. The enemy wants to isolate you. There's some of you men sitting here right now who your daddy hurt you. Your daddy hurt you because because you you wanted him to love you and he never loved you and you wanted him to affirm you. Now, he may have loved you in his heart, but he never showed that love. He never let you see that love. He never affirmed you. He never told you he was proud of you. You say, well, I don't need all that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do need it. I need it. You need it. All of us need it. Needs it. We all need that. I run into men all the time. They're all, you know, macho man. They even, you got a little thing in their back pocket with the song going, macho, macho. (laughs) But here's what you're doing. You're doing the same thing. See, you've got to break that cycle, dads. You say, oh, this is how I was brought up. Well, that don't mean it was right. You say, well, my daddy didn't know any better. Well, that's fine. But you can break that. Love your children. Show your children you love them. Affirm them. You say, well, I ain't real good with words. Write it down. Buy a card. You can sign your name, can't you? I mean, if your kid got one of the Hallmark cards and you really thought about it, I can't go in Hallmark, man. I'm like, I'll take these two right here. <laughs> are y'all like that in Hallmark? I go in Hallmark, I'm like. Oh, it's so precious, yeah. You know? Now all the guys are going, No, I ain't going to Hallmark. Heck no. (laughs) Go in Hallmark, man. Go in Walmart. Go in Target. Find the card that says what you want it to say to your child. You know what your child would love to have for Christmas? Some affirmation. A big old box of you done good. A big old box of I'm proud of you. I'm telling you, man, You, if you sat down and wrote your child a letter at Christmas and said, I want to apologize to you, you've made me proud so many times, I haven't told you. I just want to tell you how proud I am of you, how much I love you. Don't, don't, don't isolate yourself, don't get over there and get isolated because you got wounded and then teach your child to do that. Here's what we do. When we've gone through rejection, we build walls around us to protect ourselves rather than bridges. The enemy loves that isolation. He loves, there's some of you sitting here right now. I'm going to preach straight up now. There's some of you sitting right here, right, right now, and you've got a me against the world mentality. I don't need nobody. Yes, you do. Give it up. Give me a break. You need everybody around you. You you say, well, I don't like this church because you said cleavage. Well, find another church where they don't say it. There's probably a whole lot more where they don't say it than there's where they do say it. Amen? Get The enemy wants to get you on an island. Do you understand that? He wants to get you separated from the group. He wants to get you out there separated from the group. And before you know it, you've been to every church in town, you're mad at all of them. (laughs) You left the first one and you said, I'm I'm going to, and now you look around, you went, man, there ain't nowhere to go. Except down there to the Hispanic church and I don't even know what they're saying. (laughs) I'm serious. I know people like that. I know people have been to every church in Wayne County, and it's every church's fault. It's never what's going on in them. It's always that church, something that church did. And the next trap, number five, is that the fear of rejection will move you to a life of misery. Now, let me just tell you that one of the things the enemy wants to do is steal your joy, because your joy is what makes your story powerful. Y'all with me? The world is looking for some joy. They're not looking for happiness. They think they're looking for happiness. But happiness is based on what happens. Joy is based on in what's inside of you. So then when bad stuff on the outside happens, do we get discouraged and do we get do we shed tears and do we feel pain? Yes, but it doesn't affect our joy because our joy is based on our relationship with God and that we know God. A lot of y'all come to church because you're looking for happiness. Church can't give you no happiness. I mean, we might be able to have a Christmas party or something and you would make you happy for about an hour, but then you've got to go back out there. But what we want you to do is get Jesus in your heart so that you don't, do, do, you, your goal isn't happiness. Your goal is joy. Understanding that happy goes up and down, but joy stays level. I like what one writer said. He said that he said that happiness is like a a, um, a thermometer. It measures the temperature. But joy is like a thermostat. It sets the temperature in your life. Amen. Amen. It's good preaching right there. Isn't it? Wish you'd have said it, don't you? Joy, joy, joy. Fear of rejection puts you under constant pressure to try to please other people. And when you're always worried about pleasing other people and when you're always wondering whether or not you've pleased everybody in your life, you're gonna lose your joy. And when you lose your joy, here's a good sign of a person who's lost their joy, they get critical. Because criticism becomes a defense mechanism and they say, I will criticize them before they have a chance to criticize me. I will reject them before they have a chance to reject me. It's a defense mechanism. Let me tell you about joy. Joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is on the throne. Joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is on the throne. So when you lose your joy, you know what we know about you? Me too, me too. Is that the king may still be in there, but you've asked him to step off the throne. And you've put the opinions of people on that throne above the king being on that throne. And when people's opinion about you becomes more important to you than the king, you're going to lose your joy. And when you lose your joy... Don't even tell your story because it's joy that makes your story powerful. See, that's the best thing. The the best advertisement for the church is joy. The worst advertisement for the church is bitterness and coldness. I was standing in the foyer this morning (laughs) saying, Hey, to people that come in, morning, good morning. And people are like, whoa, that dude's crazy, you know. Because you know what they're used to? Going into churches and nobody pays any attention to you. And we still ain't got that right either. I notice a lot of you. I notice a lot of you have been coming to this church a long time. People walk right by you. I don't hear good morning. I don't hear it. You say, well, Pastor, we're pretty good at that. But we need to be better. Stop making it just about you and your family and your little circle of friends when you get here on Sunday. Let the joy overflow. Let the joy splash out of you onto other people. Amen? Y'all go, man, he's rough today. Trap number six. The fear of rejection prevents spiritual growth. And the reason for that is when you're always looking at what somebody thinks about you, you're not looking at God. And the only way you're going to grow spiritually is if you're looking at God. And if you're always worried about what somebody thinks about you, you're not going to be looking at God, you're going to be looking at them. And I got to tell you something, they're not going to help you grow spiritually. When you you are focused on what people think about you and whether they're going to reject you or not, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Fear makes you focus on the wrong things. When you are fearful, you focus on the wrong things. That's why it's so important to get this out and show it to God and say, God, I got this in my life. You want to get that thing out of your life so you can get your eyes back on God. Because as long as that fear reigns in your life, that's what you have your eyes on. Fear causes you to look at negative things, things that negatively impact you rather than positive things and things that positively impact your life. Let me give you the last trap. The fear of rejection, and we've already talked about this really, causes you not to share your story. See, if you, if you know your story's powerful and you've crafted it, and you're looking and listening for opportunities, and then all of a sudden there an opportunity comes up and you've got your story ready and you know it's powerful, I've got to tell you something, man. If fear still grips your heart, you won't do it. You won't share it we got to get these fears out of the way. And one of the primary fears is this fear of rejection. See, when you've got a fear of rejection, it will rob you of the courage to obey God. It will rob you of the courage to do the most important things in your life. What is it we fear? We fear intimidation. We're going to talk about that next week. Let me tell you what we're going to talk about next week. The fear of ignorance. The fear that somebody's going to ask you a question after you tell your story. They're going to ask you a question, a biblical question that you're not going to be able to answer. You be here next week. I'm going to tell you how to deal with that every time it comes up. How to deal with it every time it comes up. And you're going to need a little pistol. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. But we fear intimidation, we fear embarrassment, we fear that they're gonna judge us, we fear that they're gonna bring up our past, we fear that they're gonna laugh or mock or or they're gonna say, oh you, seriously, you're gonna tell me, you're gonna tell me how to be, I know you, I know where you came from, I'm gonna give you all those answers next week, all right? Whatever your fears are, you're not alone in them, do you understand that? I don't want you to believe, sitting here today, if if I've been preaching and you've been going, man, that's nailing me, that's nailing me, he's nailing us all. It's nailing me. I fear rejection. I fear rejection. I don't like it. Again, I've never been rejected and gone, man, pour me another cup of that. I don't want any rejection. Nobody likes it. We all have the same fears. Here's some self-evaluation questions for you, though, and then we're going to go home. What audience are you playing for? What audience do you live for? Do you live for the approval of other men and women? Or do you live for God's approval? Who are you living to please? See, here's what we're asking ourselves. We're saying, what will they do to me if I share my story? What might they do to me if I share my story? Here's what you need to ask. You need to say, what blessings has God poured on me from day to day that I need to tell people about? See, that's the question you need to be asking. And you need to be asking this question. What will God pour into my life that I'm not even having poured into my life if I'll just obey him and tell my story? Do y'all understand that obedience opens the windows of heaven? Obedience opens the windows of heaven. I love what Peter, you know, Peter was denying Christ earlier in the sermon. I love in Acts chapter 4, after Peter's been filled with the Holy Spirit, he's a different man And he comes before the Sanhedrin after he's healed this crippled man at the gate. Beautiful, y'all know that story. And they tell him, Peter and John, they say, all right, here's the deal. You guys can't preach anymore in Jesus' name and you can't lay hands on the sick anymore in Jesus' name. And Peter said back to him, this is the same Peter now that denied Jesus three times. And then that rooster crowed. And people ask all the time, why do preachers like chicken cause one told on us? We've been trying to eat them up ever since. You know, a preacher's belt. It's just a fence around a chicken's graveyard. OK. All right, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. So in Acts 4:19, you know what Peter says to the Sanhedrin? He says, "Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him?" Because now Peter's filled with the spirit. Now, that fear that was there isn't there. See, it doesn't matter who you do please if you don't please God. And it doesn't matter who you don't please if you do please God. I'd buy the CD just to get that right there. You can't defeat fear in your life till you define it and get it out and show it to God. Not that he don't know all about it already. But see, your pride, when you get that thing out, just show. And not just that, but any sin, anything you're hiding, anything you're hiding, just get it on out, bring it out, show it to God. You don't have to do it in church in front of everybody, just in your home somewhere by yourself. Just get it out. Say, God, I'm, I've got this sin in my life. I've got this fear in my life. It's holding me back. Here it is. I bring it out. I say it. I name it. That's why the Bible talks about saying things with your mouth. It's not abracadabra, it's getting the pride at a level so low that you can say it. And God likes that. Don't you love it when your kids come up and go, Mommy, I did that. I broke that. I I did that and I know I shouldn't have done that and I come, you know, and I just want you to know. That makes you proud of them. It doesn't mean there's not going to be a price to pay for what they did, but But that relationship between you and that child can heal. And you're so proud of them. And when you come before God and you say, God, I've been hiding this. I've been thinking if I don't talk about it or mention it, that you're going to be cool with it. No, man. He ain't cool with it. He's waiting for you to drop your pride and go, I I got this thing. And he'll see it in your life and touch it. You might have to keep bringing it to him. Keep bringing it. Keep bringing it. Let him work in your life. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your love today. God, don't speak to our hearts about our compromise. I, I didn't mean to offend anybody today. It wasn't my desire to offend anybody today. But God, I, I just felt like I needed to speak about some very practical ways that we, that we're compromising ourselves to be accepted, to be liked. And if somebody's gonna accept me and not reject me because I don't wear clothes that are best for my testimony, then I need to deal with that. I mean, if I'm, if I'm compromising my belief in Scripture, if I'm, if I'm compromising, if I'm isolated, if I'm, if I'm angry because I've been burned, These are all tricks of the enemy to keep me away from you. I can't even tell my story. I got one, but I can't tell it because I'm so fearful. I'm so fearful what people will say or what people will do. So, Lord, help me. Help me name my fear. Help me give it to you, Lord, that you might work in my life, that I might be the person you want me to be. Hey, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, can I just ask you this today? Do you know Jesus? Because if you don't know him, you've been running from him, right now just say, Jesus, you died for me. Just like that song we sung, you died for me, you died for my sins. You paid the debt for my sin. I don't have to pay. You rose from the dead to give me life, and I, I need you, Jesus. You've spoke to my heart today in the music. You spoke to my heart today in the video testimony. You've spoken to my heart today in the the sermon. God, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to make any more excuses. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Just say that to Jesus right now. You don't have to walk up here. You don't have to have a bunch of people around you and laying hands on you. Just right there where you are. Just say, you know, from this day on, I'm going to follow Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I give my talent. I give, I'm going to give him time. I'm going to give him my treasure. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him my life. Jesus, wash my sins away. Come into my life. Come into my life today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please don't look around. If you prayed that, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up real quick, real quick. God bless you, bless you, I see you. God bless you, bless you. Everybody look this way. Guys, Jesus is coming. You believe that? Amen. He's coming. Hey, we can't mess around, man. We can't mess around. Let's get, let's get through these fears. Let's bring them to God. Let's lay them on the altar. Let God set us free and deliver us. You know, Peter, um, he went from being a reed to a rock. You can do the same thing. His, the name Peter means, uh, the name Simon, that was his name, means reed, but he was known as Simon. But then after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was named Peter. He was called Peter. He, the name Simon means reed. The name Peter means rock. You can go from being a reed of a Christian, blowing back and forth with the wind, to being a rock of a Christian. It's up to you. It's up to you. God's ready to make you that kind of believer, that kind of follower of his. We're gonna do something a little different today. I'm gonna go back to the guest welcome center and I'm gonna welcome our guest. Some prayer team members are gonna come up here. Some of our staff are gonna come up here. If you have prayer needs, we invite you to come up here, but I never get a chance to meet our new folks. so I'm gonna go back there this morning. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much for being here today. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.